Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like us, we have a great study tool for you. Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass. On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, and you can even connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck! All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of How Did We Not Know That? I'm Nat. I'm Jack. And today... Jack is going to talk about something related to the internet. (laughs) I am. All right. So, Nat, have you heard of the dot-com bubble? Yeah, I have, but I really could not tell you what it was. That's okay. Do you kind of know, like, where what time frame it was I guess like it's the emergence of dot-coms so that could give something away yeah so like the late 90s yeah mid 90s yeah something. yeah mid to late 90s <laughs> we'll see how long this episode actually goes because it's kind of self-explanatory there was a dot-com bubble which a bubble is a stock market term which I will explain later but basically all of these companies were emerging and a lot of people were investing in these companies because they had that buzz word of internet in them and eventually those companies started to fail because everything was overvaluated and we had a market crash so i'm just gonna try to explain how that bubble emerged why it crashed and then how there are some parallels to companies that we see today as well interesting all right i'm excited so i'm gonna start out by asking you what is the internet and how does it work oh my god classic morning questions (laughs) to start your day oh boy okay this is probably like such a easy question what is the internet um the internet is the world wide web and it's got all this information on it um and how does it work um i really bro i really could not tell you this is not my strong suit no you're literally you're totally fine i was i think two years into my computer science degree and i would still be like yeah how does the internet work how like what is that (laughs) so don't even worry about it it's not common knowledge to just process how technology came about but I will give you a brief lesson. So the internet was actually, it wasn't created by one specific person. It's created with the collaboration of a dozen different scientists, programmers, and engineers who worked to develop smaller technologies, which then came together to form the internet. The first workable prototype of the internet came in October of 1969 with the creation of ARPANET, And ARPANET stands for the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. And that was a network that was funded by the United States Department of Defense. So a fun fact is actually our 
armies and our militaries and our Department of Defense will always have the most up-to-date technology because that's most of the technology that we develop, as you saw with the space race, comes out of a need to defend ourselves, which is unfortunate, but it's true that really, if you feel like you're going to die without this technology, it really motivates you to start working um so they'll yeah they'll always have uh the newest and shiniest of technology in there (laughs) and I remember during one of my internships I had a manager who was a little older than us and she talked about what it was like to have the first personal computer in the 80s because the military people had it first so she got to be a part of that test wave wow that's so interesting yeah it's really cool so then the internet in layman's terms, is basically just a large network of nodes. So a nodule is just like one point, right? And a node could a node could be a computer or a phone, anything that's connected to the internet, it's a node. So that all okay. connects to each other, and that's what we form the internet through. Okay, yeah. It's just each node is talking to each other. That's it. So like <laughs> I'll send you data, and you okay. send me data back, and that's it. And it's just a bunch of these little nodes sending data to each other. Oh. Yeah, and that whole network is called the internet. Oh, okay. It's just a huge exchange of data. Gotcha. Okay. And in 1969, ARPANET delivered its first message, which was node-to-node communication from one computer to another. At the time, personal computers didn't arise till the 1980s. So in 1969, computers were still about the size of a small house. Oh my god. So the first two computers, well not the first two computers, but the computers that did the first like internet connection were based in a research lab in UCLA and then another research lab at Stanford and the message was just one word it was login and even that message was a bit too long they only got the first two letters of that so lo but that counts right oh my gosh <laughs> so uh, you mentioned earlier that you said the internet was the world wide web the world wide web is not actually the internet i know people like to use them synonymously and the world wide web is actually just the most popular platform for accessing data and information sharing through hyperlinks and browsers there are a few different transfer protocol servers that existed before that okay let me know if i'm losing you i feel like that's like so- oh no 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 i know i'm like i'm following you okay cool okay. cool Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a transfer protocol is just if we're going to transfer something and we follow a protocol, a set of rules, so that's how we're going to exchange data is this transfer protocol. So so that's like how you exchange data between the nodes or like all the computers, phones. Exactly. They have to follow a specific protocol. Okay. Is it kind of like, is it like when you say like a specific protocol, is it almost like, like... I'm, like, trying to relate it, like, to coding. Is it, like, the same, like, language or, like, is that, am I completely off? Yeah, so you're, yeah, you're getting there. It is the same language. You can use different languages. It's more in regards to, I hope I'm doing this right. This is, like, I'm pulling from my networks class <laughs> that I took junior year. It, there are transfer <laughs> protocols that regard how you switch packets. And packets are, like, your piece of data. We, let's say we're both trying to send an email to the same person and we follow a specific transfer protocol so it's whoever sent the message first that one is going to get delivered before my message whereas if we sent them at the same time what happens when we both send it at the same time then like is it going to be a block does the person receiving it not get any like who gets to send their message first transfer protocols is like the rules that you're going to follow when you send data oh 
okay yeah i hope i'm doing this right if any like of the obnoxious cs people like come for me it's just like email or tweet us i will change what i'm saying if it's not exactly correct no you're doing a good job Thanks, fam. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to actually get into the dot-com bubble. So the internet is a really new, cool thing. But in April 30th, 1993, the web became public domain, which means everybody could use it now. Because before, it was just mainly for scientists and PhDs and university people to exchange data. So with the web becoming public domain, we start to see a rise in online internet-based companies, which are dubbed dot-com. So .com is just a domain name. Like when you have google.com and facebook.com, that's just your domain. But you could have like .io or .org. Those are all just different domain names. Now we're gonna explain what a bubble is. We could do a whole another episode on how the stock market works. Mm -hmm. If you want that, please tweet us or email us and we can go into it. But the stock market piece of advice to like anyone who doesn't really know how the stock market works, it's not actually a direct reflection on how the economy is doing. Okay. So the stock market is basically just how we as a society are perceiving the valuation of certain companies. So with the stock market not actually being a direct reflection of how the economy is doing, each company's stock is also not a direct reflection on how that company is doing. It is just the perceived value that we as consumers are placing on it. So if you think a company is going to do really well and everyone's buying into this company, the valuation is going to go up. That doesn't mean that the company's actually doing well. Mm -hmm. A bubble emerges then when investor valuation of an industry or company is greater than the actual value of that company. Yeah, okay. So hence, the dot-com bubble, also known as the internet bubble, was the rapid rise in U.S. technology stock equity valuations fueled by investments in internet-based companies. And we knew that this was a bubble when it was happening at the time because a lot of the companies who were going to market with their IPOs, which an IPO is an initial public offering, when you, as a company, go public, that means that you're opening up your stocks of the company to be bought by individual investors like us. And your IPO is that valuation that you get once it reaches the stock market. And so with a lot of these companies that were going to the IPO, they had huge valuations within the first day, which doesn't make sense for a company that's just now emerging in the market. Yeah. Sometimes they would double on the first day, which is just... Wow. Yeah, no, that's a lot. It's a lot of growth for 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously we ran into a lot of problems. Tons of companies were emerging with no rational business plans for short-term or long-term survival. Venture capitalists, which are, if you don't know what venture capitalists are, they're just early stage investors. So if you're specifically a venture capitalist, you like to invest in startups, which are companies that are mm -hmm. really, really brand new. But all of these types of investors were really scared about missing out on the growth that they were just pouring tons of money into any company that said they were internet based. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense because, like, okay, so it's, like, this new technology like, that has only been used by academics, scientists, people in the military, and so for regular people, like, they don't, they probably don't understand the technology. Even in 2020, I still could not tell you what the internet was, so, like... I'm sure, like, people, it's, like, lack of understanding of the technology and also just, like, this huge revolution. Like, I take it for granted because I'm, like, young and I've had the internet my whole life growing up. But I can't imagine what it'd be like without the internet and suddenly you have the whole world's accumulation of information 
like at your fingertips. So I can't even imagine how revolutionary and like life-changing that must be. And so obviously, yeah, everyone's freaking out. And I think the whole lack of understanding of what the technology behind it probably did really hurt when you're saying like they're just investing money wherever. It, it was like if they, if someone says the word internet, they're like, yes, take my money. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're doing, but just take it and make me rich so no exactly and i i think there's a really strong parallel to cryptocurrency today which we could do a whole episode on crypto but a lot of people don't understand it or some people i honestly think that people overcomplicate crypto and they make it this elusive thing so people just think that it's going to make money. Like I have to get my money into it. And then they make investments based on just that buzzword of crypto instead of actually evaluating, okay, like, is this cryptocurrency a kind that I believe in? Do I think it's going to be sustainable? Mm -hmm. But you're right. A lot of the companies, because they're getting backed by all this money without any business plans, the idea was just they wanted to grow big and grow really fast which isn't necessarily sustainable or practical for most companies. Yeah. There's always going to be like an uptake time in growing your company. And so eventually, when all of these companies failed to turn a profit, people lost their money. And this was a huge contribution to the 2001 stock market crash that happened later on. Oh, okay. There's a 2001 crash and a lot of people attribute it to the terrorist attacks that we had, which is September 11th, 2001. Yeah. If you're listening and you're outside of the States, that was a huge deal in the United States because we had a very significant terrorist attack and people said that the stock market crash was related to that too but actually the dot-com bubble birth was a potentially larger chunk in it just because a lot of the I'm gonna try to explain the Nasdaq are you familiar with the Nasdaq yeah that's like the collection of like the big like a certain types of the big company stocks right yeah yeah it's an index of uh how the stock market's doing but it's taken from just like a chunk of large companies that make up the stock market and they I don't want to say average because I don't think it's an average Mm -hmm. but they take how those are doing and then figure out this index and that indicates how the stock market as a whole is doing I see the dot-com bubble bursting actually affected Nasdaq a lot more because Nasdaq at the time was really heavily dependent on huge tech internet-based companies so that was a large sector yeah okay yeah and subsequently most of the internet companies went bankrupt or many of them did oh wow facts and figures from the time during the bubble kind of building up the nasdaq grew from a thousand points in 1995 to over 5,000 points in 2000 with little inflation wow that's not good from march to april of 2000 dot com stocks had lost nearly one trillion in stock value a trillion to lose a trillion in stock value for like all the companies is still that's a huge so deal much money though i can't comprehend that yeah it's a lot and even the blue chip technology companies so a blue chip technology company is just a really uh well-established and safe investment so those are big companies like cisco intel and oracle so those are supposed to be really stable if you put your money there they've been established mm-hmm. those still lost more than 80 percent of their value upon the birth 80 percent holy moly that yeah that's a lot it was rough and then nasdaq did not recover back to its dot-com peak until in 2015 and the total number of job losses from the dot-com bubble burst was 415,000, which today, since we're at like 40 million, it doesn't seem like that much, but I'm sure at the time it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow, that's insane. Mm -hmm. But some companies did survive. So can you take a guess as to what they were? Think about the biggest, most richest person that exists today. Oh, oh, Bill Gates, Microsoft, right? No. So actually, Bill Gates is part of the PC era. Because, you know, per he makes personal computers, right? And that was, like, in the 80s. Think richer than Bill Gates. <laughs> Bezos? Amazon? Yeah, it's Bezos. What the? Wait, Amazon is... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not realize Amazon has been... For that yeah, long? Yeah, Amazon's huge. Wow. So, Amazon, upon their initial IPO, trading at 7. Okay. At the peak of the dot-com bubble, they were trading at $100 per share, which is a lot. But today, Amazon trades for over 2000 What? Oh, my God. Dude, that's so crazy to think about. In my head, I'm like, Amazon? Okay, for me personally, Amazon hasn't become relevant like until like the past like five or six years. But wow, they've been a lot. Yeah, they've been here for a while. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But some of the good things that came out of the dot com bubble were it did inspire a lot of entrepreneurship because it's like this new technology. When you start internet-based companies, they still talk about this all the time, like e-commerce. Yeah. But doing that, you can really, there's not a ton of like money that you have to put into upfront to start those companies. So everyone likes to jump on that. And that type of entrepreneurship hadn't really been seen since before the Great Depression. Wow. It inspired a lot of new young entrepreneurs, so much so that, that by the spring of 1999, there was a survey done by Vanguard and it said that one in 12 Americans were in some stage of a founding business. Oh my gosh, really? Wow. Yeah, like involved in some way, whether they're an investor, whether they're trying to build their own, whether they were like doing marketing for one, you just like, you have your hand in something. Yeah. And then I have a cute video, <laughs> a cute video that <laughs> CNBC posted from interviewing jeff bezos during the dot-com bubble era and mm -hmm. i'll send it to you after this we can also link it in our show notes or check it out it'll be like in the description and on our youtube video yeah we'll post it on twitter too follow us on twitter oh yeah i'll tweet it as well Jeff Bezos basically talks about his company in the start of when they were developing it, and I really admired it. I know that Jeff Bezos is a very polarizing character these days, but I <laughs> think even the interviewer yeah. in it talks about, um, oh, but like you're, you have to put money into your company to make it run. That's a lot of cost. And the internet, this and the internet, that. And Jeff Bezos literally says like internet, sh internet at one point. But he was like, the point of a company is that you're making like a good service for consumers. And that's how you have a good company. Yeah. So he's like, maybe the internet's a part of that. But at the end of the day, it's about good customer service. Wow. Being like an engineer in Silicon Valley right now, I really like seeing that because even today, a lot of people want to follow the hype, but at the end of the day, businesses that work don't have to be followed by the internet or have to yeah. have like the most emerging technologies. Like you see all the different types of businesses on Shark Tank yeah. that get distributed. You know, making a good product is making a good product and you're solving a problem. And that's ultimately the types of companies that I think will succeed. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's like it's all about the foundation of the company. It doesn't matter how many flashy words you have. Like, yeah, there has to be a good balance between like technology, but it's not going to succeed unless you have a good business. Exactly. Yeah. The big takeaway from that is that bubbles are always going to naturally arise with the emergence of new technology and the best investments aren't always the most popular. 
So you can see similar trends today too with things like artificial intelligence and machine learning. Those are huge buzzwords. And again, I'm just mm. fresh college student who took one class on AI, but I think it's a little overhyped uh, just because in class they talk about the most recent research and it's cool, but it's not, we're not going to be taken over by like superior computer overlords anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. I encourage everyone to look into anything you're going to invest in, look into the company and don't just buy into it because everyone else is. Mm. That's really good advice. Yeah. But that's it. That's the dot-com bubble. Wow. That's really interesting. At first, I was like, wow, how did I not know this? Like, how come we don't learn about it? Well, like, first of all, I was, like, three at the time. So, like, and, yeah, I like, as I said, technology and stocks are not really my forte. But, I like, once you explain it, I'm like, okay, this isn't really that confusing. Like, I don't know. I feel like, like it's pretty easy to understand once you take the time to learn about it but I don't know it always kind of seems scary also like one thing because of course I always got the international mindset right I'm like okay with the emergence of the internet and like all these tech companies too I'm sure it also just changed like the composition of how we create businesses and then like management within businesses because like you're talking about how there's technology being developed all over the world and so I'm sure like at this time there's been like international multinational like corporations before this but especially with the internet and all these tiny little technologies like you have all these companies that are investing in overseas technology and working with uh, engineers and entrepreneurs overseas so I'm like curious to see like how that impacted our stock market too and like the global stock market I don't know I just think it's like it must have been such a revolutionary time period. All this new technology and then, like, all this multinational cooperation as well. So it just must have been a wild time. <laughs> Definitely. And actually, people are talking about how Alibaba, you're familiar with that company? Yeah. It's, it's like a similar business set up to Amazon where you can kind of just buy everything. I will say that I have used Alibaba before and that camera recognition is amazing like that technology is great yeah have you used it no but was it is that what you were using what was when we were in china together what was the like delivery taobao ah that's what i think about Okay. Right. So hopefully I'm, I'm not remembering this incorrectly, but Alibaba is like the parent company of Taobao. And Taobao, you just take a picture of something and then exactly what you want shows up. It's fantastic. That's so cool. But with that, a lot of people say that, oh, a lot of people are just investing in it because it's uh, overhyped and buzzed. I so, see. Yeah, just do your research. If you think it's a good company, put your money towards it. If you don't think it's a good company, don't put your money towards it. Yeah. It's good advice that people should remember. And yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing all this. This was really interesting. Like, I, yeah, I need to like look more into the stock market. It's once you explain it and also just like computer science in general, like the word computer science is so scary to me, but you did a good job of explaining it. And yeah, I would like to hear more about this in future episodes. So yeah, for those of you listening, if you would also like, jack to cover certain topics let us know thank you yeah a lot of people if i say like oh i majored in computer science people are like so smart not really guys like it's the same as learning any other subject and you just got to break it down and if you're interested in trying to get better at understanding like investment the economy things like that i think a lot of people like to make it 
more scary than it actually is. Everyone has the ability to learn about it and empower yourselves and invest in things, build things and learn how to code. You are just as able to do that as anyone else. So we can definitely talk more about that. That's so true. Yeah, that's a good point to make. Thanks for sharing that, Jack. And yeah, let's let's all get rich together. Let's all make good investments. <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> This has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That. If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media, including YouTube, at How Did We Not Know That. If you thought our podcast was low quality, we know. We thought so, too. Help us improve the podcast by contributing to our Patreon. Thank you for listening, and see you guys next week.